Welcome inside the bubble. Mike and Micah with you for another breakdown of a couple of nights of bubble basketball. Today is uh, Wednesday, August 5th. We are in the middle of watching the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics. We decided to start this recording a little bit earlier because I believe, Micah, we can both assume what's going to happen in this uh, Nets-Celtics game. The Celtics are currently up by 16 yeah, in the second yeah. quarter. So we're like, we're not going to wait until late at night tonight to get to, to get to recording. We're going to start a little bit earlier and discuss what has happened the past couple of nights since Monday night in the bubble. Micah, the last time that we talked, we talked about the Lakers and how pivotal of a week this was. Mm-hmm. They had the Jazz. They had the Thunder. They have the Rockets tomorrow. They beat the Jazz. Um, the game... They won, but it wasn't handily, handily, and it wasn't super impressive. And then they lose to the Thunder today. After going one and one, you said you weren't really worried. You'd see this week with the Lakers, and before you make an assessment, if you were worried about them going into the playoffs, what are your thoughts now on the Lakers? Um, I still feel pretty confident in the fact that I think I gave them maybe um maybe one loss is kind of like all right, they're kind of like uh you know BSing, and they kind of have to you know went out the rest of the week. I didn't expect it to be against the Oklahoma City Thunder today. Um, it was definitely, you know, watching this game, it was one of those things where it was just like, we've seen them play slow, especially during these bubble games, but, like, this is where it actually bit them, that they, you know, you can't really play like this, um, especially in playing, you know, preparing for playoff games. I mean, the way that they played against the Thunder, it was just like, it looked like a bunch of old men trying to get in shape to play basketball games that are important. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, maybe that's the case. And maybe it's kind of, you know, they're showing their years and maybe all that, you know, veteran leadership and stuff like that. And the mindset is not really matching what, you know, the physical production, because I'm looking at a team like OKC, who, you know, they at least they have a mix of veterans, the guys like CP3 and Steven Adams with a lot of young guys like Shy, And you're getting a great production out of it and a nice blend with the Lakers is more so just like, um, you know, Bron and AD they had half the points at the half, but they weren't shooting a high percentage and they kind of just carried over to the rest of the team. I still think the things that we talked about last time we talked about the Lakers are still coming back to haunt them. They still need A.B. and Rondo on the court. Um, Their guard, you know, their guard defense, their perimeter defense is just not going to be where it needs to be. Um, I would have liked to see them maybe pressure, uh, you know, CB3 a little more, maybe pressure really just and just play better defense, but that didn't really happen today. I think fatigue may be setting in which is a little weird, but they are playing a lot of games. Um, You hope this doesn't carry over until um, the next game because then you're kind of talking about issues. Uh, I would say I'm a little bit worried, but it's not one of those things where, like, okay, we kind of have to watch for this going into the playoffs. So coming into the week, I I wasn't worried, but I was like, the Lakers, they haven't looked um, amazing. They don't have really – their defense has been good, but I thought defense would be the first to, first thing to come in the bubble. And offense would slowly build up because you haven't been playing with these guys for mm-hmm. four months. You basically had an offseason and getting back into it. We know we, when we you usually start a season, you're slower to get into the offensive side of things. Yeah, so I was definitely. like, okay, they'll be able to pick it up. After the Utah game, I was like, okay, they're starting to look, look like they have a rhythm, have a flow. Then we get into the Thunder game. And it's at this point, it's not, it's four, we have a four game sample size. So I think if it was one game overreacting, if it's two games, okay just two off nights. And now we're going into a new week. And I'm at the point where I don't know if this team can hit threes Mm -hmm. in the playoffs. And the way that the NBA is going, it is a three league. 
LeBron, AD, I think Deion Waiters, maybe Caruso, combined from 0 for 18 from 3. Yeah, 5 for 37 as a team, which is <laughs> if, that's, that's laughable, bro. If you're going to be a team that wins in the playoffs, you can't have that. Or else that is a game that you're going to lose over and over again. Because I don't believe the Thunder as it's, are as talented as uh, the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Or as talented as potentially the Rockets. Or even as talented as a Blazers team. So if you're going to go ahead and shoot five for 37, yeah, they have Chris Paul and Shea and all those guys. That's going to be a loss. At this point, after watching the Clippers and the Lakers, and we'll get to the Clippers um, uh, up next, I'm not certain that we are in a space where, at if going into the bubble, I would have said 100% Lakers-Clippers is your Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. I am more like 40% now that we get that. I think there's a team, either the Lakers or the Clippers, I, I, I believe it's going to be the Clippers, that lose a seven-game series and we don't get that Lakers-Clippers matchup. I don't know if it's overreacting, but from seeing what playoff P or Paul George will be, Kawhi Leonard still kind of trying to get into the game. Mm-hmm. Do we know if Montrezl Harrell was going to go ahead and come and play to the bubble? Uh, Lou Williams has got out, out of uh, quarantine, but he didn't help against the Suns. So coming in, I was 100%. I'm now down to like 40% because the mm-hmm. Blazers look really good. The Rockets look really good. The Nuggets, the Jet, like it's going to be a grind to get through the West. I still think the Lakers have a couple of games to figure everything out, and they will figure everything out. But if they go ahead and lose tomorrow against the Rockets, if they're obviously full strength, mm-hmm. then I think the alarms have to start going off because now you've lost to a bunch of teams that you potentially see in the Western Conference uh, playoffs. So I'm not at the point where I'm completely panicking yet with the Lakers, but this Lakers-Clippers matchup that we've been thinking about since Kawhi signed with the Clippers, I'm not as positive that we're going to see that as uh, the Western Conference Finals. So the Lakers do have the Houston Rockets tomorrow night. Should be interesting to see if uh, LeBron and them play. I doubt that they do. Just off a of back-to-back, there's no need really in the bubble. Yeah. If they do, we'll see what comes of that. If not, we'll wait till their next game to see if this Lakers team can build on uh, what they've already started in the bubble. Moving on to the Clippers. Mm. <laughs> and, and the Suns, because I'm beyond. To get listens, we're not going to be talking about the we're not going to be talking about the Kings. We're not going to be talking about the Spurs, and we're not going to be talking about the Suns. And the Suns were like, "Oh, all right, you're not going to talk about us? Okay, we'll make you talk about us." The three, three in the bubble, so of course we have to talk about them. So, uh, Micah, the Suns and the Clippers from that game. Clippers one and two now that didn't help, and the Suns that are three and zero, and with the Grizzlies now losing uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. and zero and four the bubble. Do the Suns have an outside shot of maybe sneaking past the Pelicans and have the Blazers at the eight seed and the Suns at nine? Honestly, and, you know, like you mentioned, bro, as soon as this thing started, it was one of those teams where they're like, okay, they're in a kind of a wizard situation where they're just there. And, you know, it's good reps going into next year, but they've turned this good reps into momentum going into, you know, next weekend and going into play-ins. Uh, I absolutely think, the you know, this tide has turned, the momentum has shifted for them to get into a playing spot. I mean, I think right now it's them and the Blazers that are, are – they look like they wanted the most out of the two teams that are kind of playing in and kind of, you know, showing what they could be worth for a playoff spot. And I don't know. like you, I mean, like you mentioned, the Grizzlies, they already were, you know, iffy, but they lost one of their – probably their second or third best player. I would say their second best player. The Spurs, I mean, you know, that's the one team that's kind of the – 
the you know the X factor. I'll say like, what are they going to do? Honestly, I, I mean, I think the Suns are in a perfect position to kind of just keep doing what they're doing. And I didn't, you know, I, I can honestly say I didn't expect it. Um, you know, honestly, I felt like I slept on D book a little bit because. I mean, I know he was a great player, and we all know he's a great player, but what he's been doing is just – it's all NBA-like. I mean, he's he's this almost is top, doing – it's, it's top 10 type of player the yeah, way that he's playing right now. It's one of those, it's one of those statement kind of things. And even so even, – like, even more so than like, damn, I feel like technically he's playing an individual – like he's playing better in the bubble than Dame is. And, of course, the Blazers probably have a better unit, but – if a Suns team like this starts to get wins under their belt and they start learning how to win, especially in this atmosphere, it's pretty scary. Um, they won't make, you know, it, let's say they, you know, theoretically they get in and they face the Lakers. Um, I yes, don't think they'll make any. Yeah, I don't think they'll make any noise. But what you're getting is a really young team with a, a really young superstar playing against a, a veteran team and the best player in the league. Um. Usually, just I mean, just kind of off the top of my head, that's kind of when the uh, wheels start turning, and you start to see a lot of turnover into the next season. So I mean, the Suns, what they're doing right now, and we kind of mentioned it with the Wizards, but what they're doing is like they're ultimately like just like putting great effort and great reps out there because they're starting to arrive and they're starting to put it together. And it's great to see. It's just at the you know at the I guess the mercy of other teams like the Grizzlies kind of dropping out and, and teams not really fighting for their spots, but uh, the Suns, man, it's just, I, I want to see more. I, I just want to make sure that it's not like one of those things where it's a fluke, but once you beat the Clippers like you did at full strength, it, you kind of have to throw the fluke word out the window, so. So, with the Suns, after, after uh, watching him, and then I was like, wait, we always made fun of the Suns because good team together, mm-hmm. but Rubio, a vet point guard who knows his role. He's going to get assists. He's not going to shoot that many shots. I mean, he was 50% uh, from the field, 3 for 4 from 3, 18 points. That's what you're always going to get from Ricky Rubio. You have Devin Booker, your superstar. You have Cam Johnson, uh, senior at UNC, played at Pitt, a great 3 and D type of guy. Didn't, ha- didn't have a great game, but good defensively. Mm. Then you have Mikhail Bridges, who the Sixers traded to the Suns. And then DeAndre Ayton. And then, like, you're like, oh, okay, this team's starting to put it together. Then you have Sarge coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. And then you're Great like, player. wait, Kelly Oubre is not even right now. And you're starting to think like, okay, the Suns are starting to put together a little squad. But I thought it was the same in the Wizards example where, yeah, they're mathematically in a place to make the playoffs or be in a playing game. But they're just here for the experience. Get to play some top teams in the NBA and work on your skills and your craft. And the Suns were like, no, we're actually here to work. We're here to win. And that's what they did. It wasn't a fluke win for the Clippers. The Clippers didn't send anybody. Kawhi yeah. and PG were out there trying to win the game, and they couldn't. They could not stop Devin Booker. I'm excited to see uh, what the Suns team is going to be able to become going forward. Um, I think Devin Booker is unfortunately in a Bradley Beal type of space where he's just not going to get love because of the market that he's in. Nobody's paying attention to Phoenix early. Maybe this wakes everybody up, but to me, it's just the West where, yeah, you have a great player, but then you don't win games and he scores 30-something points. And you're just like, yeah, okay. He's a fun, like, league pass game and mm-hmm. he can catch fire and go for 50 one night or blah, blah, blah. But I think that the tide is starting to turn with the Suns. And it's exciting to see that we're getting even more and more competitive teams in the Western Conference. They can now go, like, 10-11 deep because 
looking at this, this Sun team's make the playoff in the East. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They're not a top five seed, but they, they could be a six or seven or eight seed. They the easily East. would have Magic are right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the Pelicans obviously would have been a playoff team in the East. The Spurs, of course, would have been a playoff team in the East. I don't know about the Kings. The Kings are struggling in the bubble, too. But the West is, is 10 teams deep. And I'm saying 10 teams that can win an NBA championship, but 10, 11 teams that legit any given night can beat any other team. And I'm, I just, we just have to take a moment out to talk about the Suns. I mean, <laughs> hey, we didn't Who talk about them. Yeah. If we hadn't talked about them at all during, uh, during all of our, our bubble podcast, but we're going to give the Suns uh, a couple of minutes, and we did there. But then you have the Clippers on the other hand. Mm-hmm. Now one and two in the bubble. You could say, okay, the first game against the Lakers, you almost won, and you didn't have Lou Williams. You bounce back and you beat uh, you beat the Pelicans handily. You you take care of them. You show them why you're the number two team in uh, the Western Conference. Then oh, Lou Will is back, so we're gonna be able to get Lou Will into the mix. He played 21 minutes, three for eight, 0 for two for three, seven points. And he loses the Suns. Mm-hmm. Where I I am with the Lakers, where I'm like, yeah, I'll give them a couple more days. I'm not at that point with the Clippers. I am currently at the point with the Clippers where I do not see them making the Western Conference Finals. I don't think that if they don't if they don't get Montrezl Harrell back, I don't think they have enough down low to be able to stop a Nuggets team or have enough shooting power to compete with the Clippers uh, with the Rockets team or potentially like who knows who knows where uh, seating and everything ends up. But if they go up against the OKC team, mm-hmm. like That's- that. That's a team that all around is just very, very good. And Zubak versus uh, Stephen Adams, Joakim Noah versus Stephen Adams. Is, is that yeah. what we're doing? You, so, honestly, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I don't know. And then PG, he, he's really good when he's really good. But when he's bad, he's, he's like, really bad. Mm-hmm. Six for 17, one for seven from three, 23 points in 36 minutes. It's like, I don't want that from PG. I think the Clippers, because of injuries, because they never got their cohesion together, next year, 100% will be a great team. I just think with them not playing together as a starting unit, I think, what was it, 11 games that the starting unit had played where everybody was healthy? Then they go on a four-month hiatus and then an accelerated bubble uh, training camp, and then you get into the actual games. It's going to be tough to get that cohesion together to be a team that could potentially find themselves in the Western Conference Finals. So I'm a little bit further along with the with the Clippers where I'm like, I'm starting to push the panic button because I don't I don't know if they can make the Western Conference Finals. Yo, and honestly, um so the point I was gonna make up while you were talking is like the way they're like the way this can end for the Clippers is like them dropping down to the I think the worst case scenario. Them dropping down to the Thursday, I don't think the the Jazz will make up the uh, two and a half game difference. But I think them dropping down to the third seed because I don't know if the Nuggets are going to go on the type of slide that, especially, the, you know, we'll talk about the Nuggets later, but the way they're playing, they're only trending upwards. And you have the Clippers kind of trending downwards. So let's say the Clippers end up in that third spot. And let's say let's say the Rockets kind of just pace where they are right now. Um, let's say Oklahoma City, let's, let's just say that they kind of keep their seedings right now. If I'm the Clippers and I, oof, I, don't, I don't know if I want to play the Rockets in round nope. one, because I don't know if I need to get out not that not round. Not at all. Nope. You might just lose that round against a Rockets team who they're beating everybody. They're finding a way to. I mean, besides besides Portland last night, which is a little bit weird of a game. I'm sure we'll talk about it. 
they've got impressive wins in this bubble, and I think they're kind of finding out how to win with a guy that's only 6'9", 6'8", at their center, and which is very dangerous because when they – man, when they started to, you know, beat the rules of basketball, I remember D-Wade was talking about it in the uh, the post-game wrap-up show yesterday. When you, uh, when you get in the point where you start beating the rules of basketball and you start getting wins, doing unconventional things, it's going to be really hard to stop them because there's no there's no tape out there. There's no yep. way to possibly scheme for it. <laughs> Getting so, that rebound by 30 and winning. Like, exactly. That, that That's not that's not the rules of basketball. That doesn't make sense at all. So uh, that's a team that the Clippers, I mean, honestly, and that's just – it might. I don't know if it's even a bad take or not, but, like, dude, they see the Rockets round one, it, it might go to seven, and they might lose. And then it's like, well, what do we do from here? We have all these great players. You know, we have two six-men in the year possibly. We have – the finals MVP last year, we have playoff P, we have Paul George, but we have great coaching, but what did it amount to, you know? Um, and, you know, it is, like you mentioned, it is a lot of factors. They weren't necessarily healthy with that squad out there, you know, full strength and things like that. But at the end of the day, you have to win these games. In the playoffs, you only have to win four to get to the, you know, to the next round. And I don't think they're – at least how, the you know, the Clipper team look right now, I don't know if it's possible, man. It's unfortunate, too, though, because, you know, like we said, they should be right there in the Western Conference Finals with the Lakers. Yeah. Currently looking at the standings for the uh, Western Conference, the Clippers are only half a game above mm-hmm. uh, the Nuggets. And I think that's I think that's done for. The Nuggets are taking that two-seat, in my opinion. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to the Nuggets real quick. Actually, I think I, I like the way that we're going. We could literally just go down mm-hmm. the Western Conference um, the Western Conference standings and get get our thoughts on it. But they're half a game behind the Nuggets right now. If they fall down to the Nuggets, like you said, that three six matchup against um that three six matchup against the Rockets, and that's not a matchup that you really want to go uh, into the way that the Rockets are playing. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be tough for the Clippers to to uh, get there. Um, it's going to be a tough road if you get the Rockets, the Nuggets, and then the Lakers to try to make it to the finals. But they do have Kawhi Leonard, who's the reigning Finals MVP. We saw him turn it on in the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs and be able to turn it up in the finals. Maybe he's just coasting too and just waiting to really snap his fingers in and get it going. Mm-hmm. Moving on from the Clippers, let's go to the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, he's was here. supposed to be the number one pick three years ago. Michael Porter Jr. committed to Missouri, injured his back, and everybody was like, uh, I don't know if I should take him. And we watched him slide and slide and slide to my Wizards. And I thought my Wizards were going to pick Michael Porter Jr. They didn't. They picked Troy Brown. Huh. And we saw him slide and slide and slide. And the Denver Nuggets were like, okay. Okay, I mean, yeah. We, I think that was the year they missed the playoffs by maybe a game. Mm-hmm. To, yeah, missed the playoffs by a game to the uh, Timberwolves. They are like, okay, that's perfectly fine. Well, we, we have enough pieces right now where we are going to be a playoff team. We're going to be really good. And we can give him all the time he needs. And they did. They gave him uh, last year. He played only 50 games total in his career. And then he comes into the bubble and back-to-back 30-point games. He shows exactly why he was projected to be a number one pick. He can score with ease. He can go. He can shoot, shoot a three from outside. He can drive in the lane. His handles are, are insane. He's unguardable. He's, K, he's KD-like. And I don't use that lightly. Like, the way that I – the reason why I wasn't a big Brandon Ingram fan was because everybody was comparing him to KD. I don't really mm-hmm. see – Brandon Ingram's game as Katie's game. I think Brandon Ingram is a mid-range guy who's not really that comfortable with three yet. Mm-hmm. Michael Porter is very comfortable with the three with a three-point shot. He's very comfortable shooting the three. He's very comfortable driving. He is. 
I don't want to sound like I'm hyperbolic because of only two games, but we, we, we talked about this when we saw his high school highlight tape and like the one game he played in Missouri. We were like, we know this guy is going to be mm-hmm. really, really good. He, we know he has an ability to be a top level player in this league. And because of obviously the injury, you say, okay, he takes, he takes a step back. But 30 points off of 11 of 19 shooting, that sounds very similar to Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. And if the Nuggets are going to have Jamal Murray, Jokic, Michael Porter Jr. playing this way with cap space because Michael Porter Jr. is on a rookie, they're going to be a team that next year, as much as you, you, you love the Lakers and you want to see them, that's, that's a number one seat. Mm-hmm. That's, really a number one, that's a number one to yesterday. They go ahead and uh, they beat uh, the Spurs. They beat uh, – who's, who's the other team that they beat? I, I don't have it up here. Oh, what was it? It was the Spurs and the uh, – let's see, let's see. Spurs uh, – the Spurs and the – I think it's the Kings maybe? I don't know. Oh, I'm about to confirm it for you real quick. All right, so the last, so okay, they beat the Thunder and the Spurs. Thund- yeah, th- yeah, th- that Thunder. Two Thunder playoff teams yeah. in the West. Yeah, and Michael Porter went off in both. That that team looks looks uh pretty scary. Right now, if if everybody if they were to pick and say, okay, what is your Western Conference Finals? What is your Eastern Conference Finals? I have Raptors, Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. I have mm-hmm. Lakers and Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. And the thing is, the Nuggets are doing this currently without Jamal Murray. Like Jamal Murray is not in, he, he's not in the starting lineup. Uh, <laughs> and Which they're is still, ridiculous. Yeah. And they're still able to uh, put up these these type of numbers. So, I mean, it's just amazing. That's this. This is what good organizations do. They hire good coaches and like uh, and Mike Malone. They get players like Jokic. They get players like Jamal Murray. They give them good players around him, like a Tory Craig, a Paul Mills, like. Paul Millsap, when he's your fifth best player on the team, that's amazing. You ha- you have Grant from you got trade for Grant, who was a good player, a, no, a decent player in OKC, and is now a good player in uh mm-hmm. in, with the Nuggets. Troy Daniels, and it's just everything works. They didn't even p- play Bobo against us. He got a DMP, bro. He he didn't he didn't get a minute against uh, the Suns, and they were still able to work. So, Michael, what do you think of this? Uh, of this Nuggets team, and how far do you think they can go? Do you think that potentially they could upset the Lakers and make their way to a finals? Man, so I remember we were talking about them. When Bo Bo first started, you know, during the scrimmage games, when Bo Bo kind of was unleashed, when we kind of saw his skill set. And I don't know, for some reason, and I might have said it, you know, in one of our group chats or something like that, but I was like, this team, the way they're constructed and just the way they play – they remind me. Well, first of all, it's it's true like positionless kind of basketball, which is beautiful in twenty twenty. Like that's a recipe to win, especially when we're seeing you see you're kind of seeing the you know the lines kind of blend in between who is who. So you have guys, and even how the NBA is considering guys. So you have guys like LeBron James and Ben Simmons and Luka Doncic, who are typically power forwards and small forwards. They're being considered as guards now, and that's just. I mean, they're getting votes as guards and things like that. So you're kind of living this position as, you know, his game in 2020. And, I mean, just the, the length that they play, the way they can either, you know, they you know they can attack or they can shoot the three. They can attack the mid-range. They can play, you know, with a up-tempo or they can play at, a you know, more of like a half-court kind of uh, set. And they play defense. 
this scene reminds me so much of like the two thousand like one to two thousand like two Kings, and just the fact that like their basketball is just so pure, and anybody on that team could go off. So like on those Kings teams, I mean Chris Webber was the guy, but Peter Stoyarkovic was a twenties point player. He was that first. He was really that first like six ten small forward that I seen, or I can remember that like he had limitless range. You had guys like Vladi Divac, who was a vet. Who you know on other on other teams he's been just okay he's been a, he's been a good guy but there he was elevated because of his passing skills and how they work uh, picking roles. You had a guy like Mike Bibby who, for all intents and purposes, was never uh, an All Star guard but there he was a fifteen you know he was a fifteen point player and he got about eight or nine assists. And I guess the point that I'm trying to get into is when you play that brand of basketball I mean the sky is the limit, but also it comes with the reality that like. The Kings got to that point where they had to face Shaq and Kobe, and it just didn't happen. I mean, yes, there were some iffy things that happened. I think we all know about the, you know, the series uh, with the refs and stuff were kind of, you know, they, they might have been, um, you know, messing with calls and things like that. But you get into that point where it's like, how far can this team go? And I think this team is, at this point, a Western Conference Finals team, and I would expect them to be there this year. Honestly, I mean, Michael Porter Jr. kind of, I thought Bo Bo, it's, you know, himself was just going to put them over that edge, but I mean, with Michael Porter Jr. and without their starting point guard getting starting minutes right now, I mean, the sky is the limit. I don't know if they'll necessarily make a finals, but if the Lakers are going to play how they were today against this Nuggets team, they're not winning this series. They're not winning that series. I mean, as much as I love LeBron and AD, it's not 2002 anymore where you can just put two players out there and kind of dictate the game. They're going to run all over you. They're going to be able to score however they want their energy is way better than the Lakers right now. In my opinion, they're probably the hottest team possibly in the bubble just for what they can do. I mean, yes, I know they lost that first game against the Heat, but from then on, Michael Porter Jr. has been on. And then from there, it's like, I don't know if this team can be stopped, especially if you start putting Bull Bull back into the lineup. And Jamal Murray starts getting started in minutes. So, you know, and like you said, I don't want to start being hyperbolic and things like that. But That's, that's the thing. I, I, I don't, but. We, like, it's we there, talked, bro. We it's talked, tangible. We talked about this a couple of years ago, watching Michael Porter Jr. in high school like his game. It's like, this bro, is, he could have gone high school to the NBA. I mean, bro, he went five for nine for three. He got 15 rebounds. He, he did whatever he wanted on the court, basically. Like, it, it was one of those things where it's just like, okay, he's comfortable. And it's a scary thing. Like, it's in, like you mentioned, it is kind of KD, like where you're comfortable everywhere on the court. What can you really do to be stopped? There's not much Nothing. you can do. <laughs> So it's just you got to watch out for them because if they start putting out those lineups where, you know, Bo Bo is mixing in with Michael Porter and you have Jokic out there, Paul Millsap, and you can go super tall. I don't know if the team can be beat realistically. Um, maybe some that maybe no, maybe some experience might, you know, get in the way of them reaching their full potential this year. But in an 82-game season or even an abbreviated 55-game season, I don't see – I think they're the one seed for the next couple of years even with Braun and AD in the West, even if they retool. So yep. I, I totally agree there. Um, With Michael Porter Jr., next year he's going to be most improved player of the year. I, I'm already telling you now. Yeah. Like, he's going uh, to be jumping everything, points, rebounds, assists. He'll be your most improved player next year. After that, I think in two years he'll be – so what, three years from now, I think Michael Porter Jr. is an all-star in this league and mm-hmm. is a guy that you consider – um, for all NBA, and I, I'm ready to put that on tape because just watching them, you, you just know. Um, moving on, the Utah Jazz, they lost to uh, the Lakers. I mean, I don't think 
I'm, I don't have much to say about them. It's it's just rather they're, they're the Jets. They're yeah, perfect. they're mid tier, bro. <laughs> they're they, four they, seed. <laughs> like they'll, they'll they'll get two games against whoever they have in the first round and probably bow out that way. Um, mm. Who knows chemistry? There's always rumors about who likes who and what. If Rudy Gobert is available, send him to the West Kids. That's that's all I got to say. Uh, Jalen <laughs> Rose did come out and say he doesn't think Donovan Mitchell is going to stay uh, with the Jazz because they aren't surrounding him with. With the pieces to be at that next level, like you see with like a Jason Tatum type of player. Mm-hmm. Moving on, OKC. OKC, they did lose earlier this week, like we said, to the Nuggets, but they ended up beating the Lakers. Uh, OKC has the Jazz in the first round. I think both of us would have OKC uh, winning that. Yeah, CBD factor. So then you get you get the Lakers, OKC, and a second round matchup. Um, I think they're a really fun team, but I think they're also in the same spot with the Jazz where. Yeah, they beat them today, but they get one or two games tops against the Lakers just in a mm-hmm. playoffs. It it just doesn't happen. But what are your what are your thoughts on this OKC team? Because CP three, he's not going to be there for the long haul. But with the base that they're building with uh Gil Gilgis Alexander and what they have going on with with that team, where do you think this OKC team can go? I definitely think they're one of those teams that will continue to be like you know in that mid tier, almost like where the Jazz are. So I think them being there this year with CP three is kind of just like. It's kind of just a model of what to look forward to because somebody, I mean, like you said, CBD is not going to be there for the long haul. I don't know if, you know, just career-wise how long he's going to keep playing. He's been, in, you know, he's Hall of Fame level kind of guy. He's been there for a while. His career is kind of winding down. So at this point, he's kind of just doing a service to a franchise that needs it. Eventually, they're going to have to start retooling and be able to put somebody next to uh, Gilgis Alexander. But for what it is right now, I mean, I think they're a team that could – they're a team that I think around up the roster a little bit. Maybe they could possibly reach a third seed, but I can never see them as a one or two seed. Um, and as far as just for the bubble, like you said, they're they're a team like the Jazz that are kind of like in that four, five, six kind of like. Well, I won't even say six because the Rockets are like the most false six seed ever right now. So that that they're like that four or five range where they'll win a lot of games because they play great basketball. And they have a good, you know, unit and core around them. But good regular season team. They're not, they're not explosive enough in the playoffs to make that difference. I mean, CP3 is just not 2013 CP3, where you could expect a 30 point game out of him for an entire series with getting, you know, 15 rebounds, not 15 rebounds, 15 assists. Excuse me. Um, and as much as I love Shai's game, he's not at that level yet. I mean, he's 21 years old. He's only been in the league one year. And yes, he's a great player, but they're just not at that point yet to where I could consider them, you know, even an upset kind of team. It's good that they're there, and it's good they're getting these reps because it's going to matter down the road when they're starting to get free agents coming and they're starting to draft new guys and, you know, they get the pieces rolling. Because I do think that I do think they have a decent enough core to keep guys around. Like Dennis Schroeder, he's a guy who's going to be here for a long ball, a long haul. Um, a healthy Andre Robeson, he's going to be here. Yep. Terrence Ferguson, these guys are all – good these guys are all proven that they're worth. There, there he is, Baisley, uh, even Gallinari, who – he seems like he's been in the league forever, but he's only 31 years old. Nerlens Noel, like all these guys that have, you know, uh, Hamadou Diallo, all these guys are going to end up playing a role. It's just not so defined yet because they don't necessarily have that true star around them. So when they start, either they build a better, you know, back-end unit or they start to get that star, then it's going to matter. But for right now, they're kind of set in stone where they are, but it's not a bad thing at all, really. It's just what it is for this year. They're not going to be a finals team or Eastern Conference, Western Conference finals team. Yeah, exactly. Um, With – it's just essentially at this point, 
if they would have beaten the Nuggets and then beat the Lakers back to back, I would be a lot more bullish on them and saying, okay, you know what? Maybe mm-hmm. maybe they can do something in the playoffs. But just looking at them, the way they're constructed, I don't think they have enough to to take it to the next level. I love yeah. what I love what they've done, especially after everybody said they would be the worst team uh, in the NBA. And you, you say they have a good foundation, Micah, and they're going to have an even better foundation. They have like twelve first round picks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For like the they got next, the hall, yeah. For the next like six, seven years, over the next six, seven years. So if they want a superstar to pair with Shea, like they they can get it. they can get it immediately. They have the picks to do it. Or if mm-hmm. they want to go ahead and just build a young core, they can do it. So they're in a perfect position. Five seed, enjoying the bubble, getting things done. Probably will upset the Jazz, and we'll see where they go from there. Uh, the Rockets, they finally lost, and um. I think with the Rockets, we talked about it. This is not sustainable over a lo- uh, over a seven game span uh, in yeah. a series. I think with the Clippers, it's a different story. I don't think they beat the Nuggets. I, I just don't. Yeah, with- it's really for them as matchups. It's all yeah, matchups. they have to hope the Clippers fall because if you have the Rockets, you just go ahead and you go the big lineup. You bring in Bobo for 10, 15 minutes. You have Jokic, mm-hmm. you have Michael Porter, you have Jamal Murray, you have Paul Millsap, and they won't be able to do anything. The Blazers out rebound them, but Nurkic was able to go off. 18 points, 19 rebounds. That's what you're going to see. Um, Russ kind of went back into his old ways where they were down by a couple and he decided to take a shot that's like, look, end of the games, like, this is hard in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've closed games before, but you are a second fiddle. You're never going to be able to be that guy to close games for the Rockets. So give it to Harden. They kind of fell back into it. And I think it's just the same discussion that we had. They're a fun team. And if they do get the Clippers, yeah, watch out. But besides that, I, I don't think much is going to come of that. But wh- what did you think of the Rockets' loss to the Blazers? Honestly, I really just thought, like, I really thought that the Blazers did exactly what they had to do. Um, I was upset that Son Weissstein and Nurkic didn't do more. But they did what they had to do to win. Um, man, the Rockets are, like, they, they're just, like, one of those, like, just teams. I mean, I mentioned it. They break all the rules of basketball, and it's cool to see it because, like, like you you know, the matchup thing with the Clippers and maybe other teams, like, you know, they could possibly just, like, run them out, you know, run them off the table. They could they could beat them in six. And, and, like, realistically, they could beat them in six or seven. But, they're like, you also mentioned, there's teams like the Nuggets who absolutely demolish them. I think if you play – I think if you play them again, like the Blazers, if you play them again, they might be able to edge them out. With Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside kind of being those most dominant players, yes, Dame and CJ McCollum want to do their thing, but they're all, all perimeter teams. So I wouldn't even worry about them, you know, getting off as much as they do. Um, Dame's going to have his moments where he needs to step up in the clutch and stuff like that, but you could beat them with Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside and, you know, just like a, a tallish kind of lineup controlling things like that. Um, One thing that is interesting about the Rockets is, yes, we know they take an inordinate amount of three-pointers. And that's just what they do. I mean, they that's you know the live and die by the three thing. But going into that game, and it was pretty interesting. I didn't even realize it. I know it, but uh, at least going into the game, James Harden was perfect from two, so he hasn't missed. It. He hasn't, you know, going into that game, he didn't miss a two point shot um, while he's been in the bubble. And I was just kind of thinking about it. They don't necessarily utilize their mid range game. It's either kind of three or drive, or you know, three or at the basket. And yes, those are the most efficient shots. But if you have the ability to diversify your offense a little bit, because I felt like at times they were a little bit stagnant and they were kind of just, okay, we really have to play either this this action where we're getting into, 
you know, we're you know, we're working off a pick and we're getting a drive and we're trying to force a foul or we're just taking a spot up three or taking a three, ISO, ISO three or something like that. I think going forward, they might actually be like, you know, they might actually work better with some sets. And the problem is with Russell Westbrook, sets aren't really a thing, which is interesting. The, uh, you know, the, the difference from last year. Last year, they were had a way slower of a pace. They were bottom half of the league in pace. Mm-hmm. And they ran more sets and they got more shots off of that. They got, you know, they got a, a good amount of shots off of that. It still lived and died by the three. But with Russ, it's like attack, attack, attack. And I feel like, honestly, they had to slow down just a little bit. And that's kind of hard with Russ because he wants to always push the pace. I think the ball is better suited in James Harden's hand at times. And it's kind of just like with Russ there, it's kind of – it's not uh, – they don't have friction on the court. And it's clear they don't have friction on the court. But it's also one of those things where, like, what do we need to do to win? And I think – and down the stretch, I think Russell – you know, I think uh, James Harden has to have the ball in his hand. And I also think you got to give him the freedom to – Kind of just play his game. It was a lot of weird things that went on to that game last night. And I think the Rockets are a false six seed in the sense that they they could possibly win a series. And I don't see them as a, a conference finals team, but they could make a lot of noise. But I just think they have to diversify really their offense. And they'll play a lot better. Defense, I mean, they're not going to play defense really, realistically. Even though the game was a little bit lower scoring, they're not going to play defense. I'm not worried about that. I just want to see what they do offensively. And uh, I just want to see them have fun doing it. But, uh, the Rockets, is just, this is one of those teams really hard to, like, pin them just because, like, they're either going to do one or two things, and it's just about how good they do them. If they're off, they're going to lose. And if they're on, they usually win. So something that I, I saw uh, or I read, I forgot wh- where it was from, is that the Rockets, they're a team that love to score a lot and everything, but because they lack that center position, they have to take a much more aggressive apo- approach on defense, mm-hmm. which is tiring and which leads to a lot of fouls. Since James Harden has entered into the bubble, he's averaging about five fouls a game. And that is throwing off his rhythm. Against the Bucks, he was in foul trouble. Against the Blazers, he was in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. And if he's going to have to guard bigger guys because, I mean, James Harden, he's not, he's not even though he's a point guard, he's not a su- or shooting guard. He's not a super small guy. He has some type of ability. He's so, strong. He is a pretty strong. Argument. Yeah, so if, if he's going, if, if you're going up against a Blazers team, He's not going to be the one to guard uh, Dame or CJ. Like, he's going to have to go and guard maybe a Mellow or somebody that's a little bit bigger because mm-hmm. he does have the size while P.J. Tucker's taking the biggest person on the court. In that case, the way that you usually have to defend bigger guys is you have to be a little bit more aggressive, and that leads to more fouls. So if you're having James Harden going ahead and having two quick fouls, it stunts your whole offense. Your offense isn't able to flow because it flows around Harden. And Harden needs to get in the rhythm to be able to be successful. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't shot amazing in the bubble. And I read that, like, because he's fouling so much, he's not able to get into that rhythm of shooting threes, getting to the line and all. He's still getting to the line, but his three-point shot has not um, has not fallen yet. So that is pretty su- uh, surprising to see him. Something to watch going into the playoffs. Uh, the Mavericks, they're really just – they're a team that's just there to – I mean, place the playoffs, make it to the playoffs, super all mm-hmm. nice and good. Uh, either you get the Clippers or the Nuggets. I doubt you win either one of those, but who knows? Luca go- did have an amazing game against the Kings, 34-20-12. Um, this Mavs team is kind of in a spot where are they going to take a leap next year or are they going to be in that 5-6-7 seed? So where do you see them, upper echelon type of team, or they're just going to stay in that 5-6-7 range? And this year is just indicative of what's to come. 
I think this year might be indicative of what's to come, unless kind of. I don't want to say I don't want to I don't I don't want to say it's a mindset change, because I feel like they play competitive spirited basketball, and I think they're a true playoff team, and I don't ever think they'll fall out of that range. But I also can't call them a top four team in the West, even with Luka Doncic. I think maybe the highest they could get is that five range and possibly upset a four seed going forward. And I think that's kind of their destiny until really until they get somebody that can take the ball out of Lucas' hands, which sounds crazy, I know. But eventually, like, as great as Luka is doing, all they're going to do is just start keying on him, like truly, truly keying on him. They're, a year's worth of film, two years' worth of film of Luka doing absolutely whatever he wants on the court. Yep. With no with no help, I mean, it's not even the same situation as like LeBron when he first got in. Which actually, it might kind of be, because LeBron's teams will I, always get foiled. You know, I I think Luca has a little bit more help. I think Porzingis has. Yeah, okay. Porzingis is a guy that, um, is is going to be able to help Luca out. But I don't mm-hmm. think that the way that the NBA is currently constructed, and maybe it will change uh, within our lifetime. But the big man has become less important. The big man is something that is a, th- a three like mm-hmm. he's not somebody that you you give it down to like you're not really posting up and stuff like that and if you just have Porzingis who went 0 for 7 from three it's like I can get a guard that can do that exactly. you, you're not really bringing any added value like the the Shaq type isn't as valued anymore maybe Zion mm-hmm. is going to be able to bring that change back where it's like yeah give it to me post up and I'll get my bucket down low but we haven't seen that um for for a while so I think they do need more help because a starting lineup of J.J. Barbera, Finney Smith, Tim Hardaway Jr. Like Porzingis and Luca need more help than that. And yeah. they, to get to get them to that next level, well, hopefully they can get a, a nice, good wing player to supplement that. But currently, the way they're constructed, I think, yeah, this season they're still pretty young, so they'll be bouncing the first round. But if they don't want to be continually bouncing the first round or be a Utah Jazz team type of team. You've got to be able to make some plays and get somebody in this offseason or, or, or in a couple of offseasons if, if you want to take that next step. Um, moving on from the Mavs, we have uh, the oh, we have the Memphis Grizzlies. We talked about them currently 0 4 in the bubble, and <laughs> their schedule coming <laughs> up is a gauntlet. I, I mean. They might they might lose out honestly, which sucks. But we I mean we we said it we said we said mm-hmm. that like their easiest games were in the beginning, and if they didn't win those, they were in trouble. And now that they lost uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. for the rest of the season and early into next season, that's the only thing that sucks about this bubble. You get hurt, you're not only done for this season, but you're done for a decent amount uh, mm-hmm. of next season because they are starting. Uh, they are starting pretty early December. The same probably Christmas Day will be opening day, so. That sucks. But then you have OKC, who, I mean, we saw today how they, how they handled the Lakers. You have Toronto, who we saw how they handled the Lakers. Um, you have Boston. Uh, if they're still in the battle for playoff seating, they could be full strength and full go. They're being the uh, the Nets currently by 20-plus points right now. And then you have mm-hmm. the Bucks. Bucks game, I, I think the Bucks at that point will be resting. So you should be able to get uh, pick up a win there. But one in seven, you're not going to be able to make the playoffs. Not the way that every other team below you is winning. So mm-hmm. we talked about it. Like, could the Grizzlies fall out of the playoffs? 
I think it's a very real chance at this point that the Grizzlies aren't an eight or a nine seed, that they end up at 10. And we see, because I think the Spurs are going to continue losing, and we see the Pelicans, uh, the Pelicans, Blazers, or the Pelicans and the Suns in that eight nine seed matchup. So if you're the Grizzlies right now, and you just saw what happened to Jaron Jackson Jr., do you keep pushing and just, all right, I'm going to push John Moore, I'm going to push all our young guys more and see if we can make the playoffs to get bounced in the first round? Or are you kind of pulling it back? Like, look, we're only a, ga- a game and a half ahead. We have a gauntlet coming up, and the rest of these teams' schedule is pretty easy. What are you doing if you're the Pelicans' front office, uh, if you're the Grizzlies' front office? I'm looking long-term, and I'm pulling back. I mean, and I don't even think it's necessarily a losing attitude doing that. I think it's a smart way to go. Um, And, you know, pulling back doesn't have to necessarily mean, hey, give John Moran a DMP. It means John Moran might just get a 30, you know, 30 flat minutes, and that's it. Restrict his minutes. It's okay. Like, I don't think, you know, and like you said, going in, even if they made the playoffs, they were a first round out, like, in five or six games. I don't know if making the playoffs while your second or third best player is hurt is really a character builder. I don't know if he even does anything for John. I Moran. mean, he, he was their best player in, in the bubble because John's been struggling in the bubble. Exactly. So it, it's one of those things where, like, you kind of have to count your losses and you kind of have to realize what's going on and just, like, you know, kind of just read the situation that's actually happening in front of you. If I'm the Grizzlies, I, I'm happy I'm here in the bubble. I'm happy that we're, you know, we were considered a playoff team, but going forward, I mean, there's, there's no reason to push these guys because if you just push them and somebody else tweaks something that gets hurt or you're kind of just playing for, you know, empty win or something like that, what's really the point of it? I think it does more harm than good. Um, the Grizzlies going forward are going to be one of the better young teams and they're going to be a perennial playoff team. Yep. But, but right now, I mean, it, it's kind of just negligence to keep them in. So I would like to see him just chill a little bit. John Morant, he's going to be fine going forward. Um, just give him like 30 flat minutes start cutting his men's a little bit more, start playing a lot more of your back rotation guys and just see what you have. Just, just, it's okay. It's fine. This is, this is when I applaud like the Pelicans front office where you have everybody, including us bashing you saying like, bro, you have Zion. Like you can obviously win games and we'll get to the, mm-hmm. we'll get to the Pelicans up next. Like you can obviously win games and you can obviously like make the playoffs. And they're like, guys, this is, this is a, a <laughs> bubble. Like it's a weird season. All that injuries are crazy and everything. Let's take our time. Zion is going to be here for the long haul, hopefully. And one season isn't going to kill you or anything. They're playing him 20, 25 minutes, and I'm like, that's that's going to be more than enough for him to go. So after bashing after bashing the Pelicans for a better part of a week, I'm not like, hmm, maybe maybe, – maybe, maybe they're on the time. Yeah, maybe they're the ones that really make sense here, and they're like, it's not worth it to go ahead and um, – go ahead and risk injury. And like you said, it doesn't mean you're getting DMPs. They've increased Zion minutes essentially every game. They got blown out by the Clippers. That's why he didn't play. But every game, his minutes have been increasing, and they're getting closer and closer to getting into a potential playing game. And you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, if we if we get in, totally fine. If we don't, we got great experience in the bubble, and we, we were able to work on our cohesion. And I think that's the way the Grizzlies uh, need to handle it going forward because there's no need to hurt your future in the bubble and with the wizards when bradley beal said he was sitting out i was a hundred percent behind it i was like you know what there's no point yeah we get we get the eight seed and then what happens after that <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we, get lost, co- we lose we, <laughs> we get, get washed by Giannis. Giannis in four games so it, it's really uh no point but uh the blazers i think everybody's been talking about the blazers and how yeah blah blah, blah they they're a great team and we talked i talked about them a little bit 
this morning in our group chat, I said, it's, it's not going to be easy for the Lakers to get past the Blazers. I think they'll beat them, but mm-hmm. it's going to be a tough time with Dame, CJ, the way that Gary Trent is playing, Melo, Nurkic, Zach Collins, Hassan Whiteside, like the whole the whole gauntlet of players. It's going to be tough to get by them. Um, Blazers, I, I think at this point, we're, they're, you're going to be the eighth seed. Mm. It, it, it's pretty simple. So do you have anything else to add on the Blazers or do you want to go to Pelicans? Um, just one quick thing. Um, any team that has a difficulty guarding the perimeter is Blazers are going to give them hell. That's why I'm kind of scared with the Lakers thing, and that's, I guess, why you were kind of mentioning it earlier, because the Lakers have kind of, you know, they kind of seen the struggle on the perimeter side, and it seems like they're kind of getting beat, more so, like, uh, out to end. But the Blazers, man, I mean, especially with the emergence of Gary Trent, I mean, he's been he's been a good player, but this is different what he's been doing. So uh, just kind of watch out for them. That's really all I have to say. They, they're uh, one of those false eight seeds that, They'll make a lot of noise. I don't know if they'll upset truly, but they can push a team to seven. That's not supposed to be pushed to seven. Yep. Um, then we move on to the Pelicans, who obviously uh, the Pelicans were able to take care of the Grizzlies. Um, mm-hmm. it, it almost makes sense that if you play Zion Williamson, you win. You win games. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. It's, it's, it's almost like it's it's a it's it's a nice formula. But Zion got um, twenty five minutes. He struggled. He kind of struggled in this game. Uh, Valentunis and Jaron Jackson kind of gave him um, some fits down low. So was able to get 23 points, was a plus eight in his plus minus. So the Pelicans are looking like they're going to get that uh, nine seed and play the Blazers for the playing game because currently their schedule going forward is super easy, unlike the Spurs, who I think will end up um, falling now just because their schedule is a gauntlet. But you have the Kings twice, the Wizards, the Spurs, and Orlando going forward. So – you go four and one, you go three and two, like you're going to have a winning record coming out of that. So I think the Pelicans are going to get that nine seed. And if you keep increasing Zion's minutes, then it should make for a good playing game between the uh, Blazers and the Pelicans. But thoughts on that Pelicans uh, Memphis game? Yeah, I mean, simple math, honestly. One plus one equals two. And you play Zion <laughs> more minutes, he wins games for you. No matter the output, no matter what he does, he is a, he's a winner, he's a game changer. And really, I mean, he kind of just sees the perfect fit for that team. And we saw when he was injected into the um, lineup when the season was still going on, the regular season, you know, back at the beginning of the year, once Zion is in there, I mean, you're turning a, a, a mediocre team with one great player, I mean, one great, you know, statistical player in Brandon Ingram. And, I mean, Brandon Ingram, keeps his, he's going to keep his production because that's the type of player he is now. Mm-hmm. And he just adds 20, you know, he had 25 more points. And you add seven more rebounds, and you add maybe two blocks a game. You add effort, and you add a guy who's going to be a force out there. And, I mean, my favorite thing is about Zion. Like, his game is just, like, so – it's so paced to the point where, like, it doesn't seem like he's really rushing himself out there, but he'll play 25 minutes and get 23 points, and he'll just be the most active player. When you're looking at it, I mean, him playing 25 minutes against the Grizzlies and getting 23 points and seven rebounds, that's absolutely ridiculous. Like when you really <laughs> think about it, and sense. five assists. It's like, well, how did you just do that in in twenty five minutes? Like, and that's just the kind of player he is. Like, it doesn't seem like he's absolutely rushing himself out there and he's tiring himself out. He, I feel like, I mean, yes, he's a, he's always going to be a bigger player, but that's his strength. And I feel like he got in better shape. And I think the team just like they feed off that energy. So, and it's also you know it, it's one of those things where like we mentioned, you don't really want to rush them in, but now they're at a point where they're just playing good enough basketball there. They might just slide into a knife seat, which is okay. Like, that's fine. 
You're you're in that you know you're in a great position. You even probably that's probably the best position they could be in because then they're playing games that matter. Even if they don't get in, they got great reps against great teams, a good team like the Blazers. And if they do get in, then they're gonna play LeBron James. And that's what better look great. for what better look for Zion Williamson than to play the guy he probably models his game the most after. So. I think wherever the Pelicans are doing, they just need to keep doing. Keep Zion at a minutes restriction. Don't ever let him touch thirty. Even, even when the playoffs start, if you want to play him at a flat thirty, then okay, that's fine. But you're not winning against the Lakers most likely. You don't play him thirty five minutes. Don't give him playoff minutes. Um, you know you can have a little playoff rotation, but don't even cut it down the eight like teams usually do. Keep it at ten. Get guys in there. Get Nikhil Alexander Walker in there. You know, get Jackson Hayes in there because it's only going to help them. You know, on the long haul. Yeah, I. I totally agree there. Um, yeah, the Spurs. I'm sorry, I'm still not going to talk about you, uh, <laughs> even though even though you're right there at ten. Not going to do it. And the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, that's done. Moving over to the East. Um, quickly here. Not much, uh, really. Not much yeah. really going on uh, on the Eastern side of things, and that's just been the way it's gone. Uh, we had the Bucks, set. Yeah, we had the Bucks lose to the Nets, but Giannis did not play. Uh, much in that game, the Raptors keep on winning. Uh, the Celtics are currently beating the the, the breaks Nets. off the Nets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Nets right now, so they're looking like they're in a flow. Miami Heat, that is a team that, without <laughs> without uh, <laughs> without Jimmy Butler, only lost by four to the Raptors. That is very scary. Um, I want to stop there before we keep going. Mm-hmm. Miami Heat, they have the Pacers in the first round. Pacers, that's just going to be a 90-95, like, score. 90-95 to 95 will be the score in that round. Two good defensive teams. Then after that, the Heat get the Bucks. You, mm. you, you've, got, you've been a big proponent of Bucks Heat, Jimmy Butler, a little bit of an ankle injury. Bam, it, it's still balling out there. Could you see the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals or potentially the Finals? I could see them in the Eastern Conference Finals. But I think whoever comes out from the bottom half of the seed is going to end up going to the finals, which is really weird to say. Um, it's one of those situations where, like, whoever comes out of – well, if the Bucks come out of that top side, so the Bucks come out and they keep their one seed and their home court advantage, whatever that is in the bubble, then they'll probably end up going to the finals. If the Heat come out and they beat the Bucks. In round two, I mean, it's going to be one of those seven-game series, in my opinion, one of those, like, bloodbath kind of series. Because to beat Giannis, honestly, it when it matters, it's going to have to be a bloodbath. As much, you know, as much as you can give him about his whatever it is, is maybe his clutch performances and stuff like that, he's not an easy player to stop. And when it matters most, he does perform. Like, he, he is a consistent performer. So it's going to be a bloodbath. But I think that he'd be able to get it done in that dirty way because that's, that's their cup of tea, honestly. But the problem is when you – if, you know, the Boston Celtics or – don't let it be the Toronto Raptors. If one of those teams – and I'm thinking it's going to be the Raptors. If the Raptors see the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals, then it's going to be back-to-back for the Raptors. Um, Boston, it'll be a little more interesting. And, you know, I guess we'll see down the road. But um, I think I think Miami could possibly get to that Eastern Conference Finals. I just think – I mean, the – Whoever put that graph into uh, our group chat earlier where it's like, bam, is basically the Giannis stopper. I mean, it's, the proof is in the pudding, bro. It, yep. It's enough out there to where it's a serious problem if they see them in round two. And I think they possibly they could get that upset, but I don't see them as a finals team. 
All right. Yeah. Same. I, I think I think they could potentially beat the Bucks. I, I wouldn't have them doing it. Um, and I don't know what's going on with Jimmy. He missed the practice. Now he has a ankle injury. Making sure everybody's healthy before the playoffs is a must. But mm-hmm. the Heat are always a fun team to watch. Uh, the Pacers. Warren is still going off, averaging forty in the bubble. <laughs> makes makes no sense at all, bro. What is this? What is the double, bro? <laughs> and what then we it? get to the Philadelphia 76ers. This is the only. This is the only reason why I went to the East because. I am ready to say something. After after they got Al Horford this year and Josh Richardson, I was like, man. Or, no, let's even go. Last year, I was like, damn. They were a game away from getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. Who knows Mm. what would happen in uh, the Finals. Maybe they go ahead and beat the Bucs, too. And who knows? They were close to the Finals. This year, I'm like, okay. They changed it up. They lost Jimmy. They gained Josh Richardson and Al Horford. They're going with the big lineup and all this. Shake Milton, whatever. After watching the 76ers, and the score doesn't indicate it, but they barely beat the Washington Wizards today with yeah. Rui Hachimura, Troy Brown, uh, Shabazz Napier, Ishmith, that, that squad. After they barely beat the Washington Wizards, I am officially done with the Sixers. I am officially considering done considering the Sixers a good team. I, yeah, okay, they'll, they'll, they'll be a five, they'll be a six seed, whatever. But the Sixers aren't a team that goes to the finals. The Sixers don't have Ben Simmons, who can't shoot. Joel Embiid, he's always injured. Al Horford is terrible for this team. Like, Milton came out of nowhere, and he, he's okay, but he, he's not good. Josh Richardson is not great. You have Tobias Harris, and you think that that would help you with something. It's not. Matisse Thibault, yeah, you have a great YouTube. You have a great vlog. <laughs> but that's it. The Sixers are not a team at this point that I have any faith in. Because... They disappoint you over and over and over again. And yeah, we saw him. We, we saw him um, bounce back after we saw um, Milton and MB get into it, and they beat the Spurs by two points. But the Spurs currently are a ten seed in the West. They don't have Lamarcus Aldridge, so you're losing to essentially Demar Derozan and Dejounte Murray. Then you beat the Wizards. Yeah, you beat them by nine points. But the game was two minute uh, was a two point game with two minutes left to go in the game. You lose to the Pacers. Like, at this point, what are the, like, Sixers good? It's not much. You had the Embiid injury. You had the Fultz injury. You had the Simmons injury. Okay, we went from injury. It's like, oh, it's a young team. Okay, we went to, like, oh, they're not meshing. Everything doesn't work. Whether it's Brett Brown, whether it's Embiid, you need to either trade Embiid or Simmons. Either you, 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 Build a team around Simmons where he it becomes a Zion type where he's just driving throughout the whole game and kicking out the shooters. Or you build it around Embiid and you get shooters too, but you can't have two people that aren't great shooters and have them as your one-two punch. It just doesn't work. We've seen it. It doesn't work. And this, they're going to lose in the first round, and then they're going to fire Brett Brown, and it's going to be the same cycle that we go through next year. I am tired of the 70s. Man. Honestly, out of all the players, uh, out of all, like, you know, the three core pieces you consider, I think Brett Brown is the guy you actually have to keep out of all of this. I mean, Ben Simmons, I feel like he, as great as a talent as he can be. It's always him, can. It's always It's always, it's can, always can, but it's, it's not tangible. Can. It's not, It's not. you know, it's not happening in front of us. Like, like man, I see more potential out of – Michael Porter Jr.'s game than Ben Simmons after three years of him being possibly, you know, the next guy up. When guys have already passed him, Jason Tatum is better than him, obviously. Like, 
I, I would consider him way better than him right now. Um, Ben Simmons has a role, but what what good is your role if you only go two of ten and you don't make half your free throws? Like, Bro, what good is being of, a two of ten? Like that that's what that's what annoys me. It's like there have been players that have come into the league that cannot shoot that have been able to figure out a, a way to figure out like to score buckets. And yeah, he's good in, in the paint. But to be successful in this league, you're going to need a, sh- a shot. Whether, At least make your free throws. Be, be a DeMar DeRozan. Be a guy that shoots mid-range. But if he can't, if he's shooting 20%, he can't be an all-NBA type of guy. I do not care. Because at that point, he just glorified Marcus Smart. The way that Benjamin plays right now is glorified Marcus Smart. He's great defensively, but he's a liability offensively, in my opinion. Like, he's just a liability offensively. But he, he's a lot better defensively. He's bigger, and he can get into the paint and score. But that's what Marcus Smart does for the Boston Celtics. It's, I don't know. I'm, I'm just done with the Sixers. Man. It's, 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 just, it's bad. It's bad because, it's bad because. So much. Work, like, it's unacceptable, really. Like, Shake Milton shouldn't be your offensive spark. As much, you know, as much as I like his game and what he could possibly bring, he's not, he's not even a rotational player on a, on a team that is serious. Like, it's. This is, this is a lot of bad, man. It's hard to just, like, quantify or put it words. You just kind of have to look at it. Like, Embiid, his stats will always be great, but he doesn't just – I don't know, bro. It just doesn't – it doesn't work with that team. And it it's just unfortunate, man. Like, yeah, Embiid, he did have a good game. Uh, 50, uh, 50, what, 2% from the field, mm-hmm. uh, 30 points and all that. But he was going against non-centers and Troy Brown and uh, – I mean, Thomas Bryant. And, Thomas Bryant was eating him alive. I'm sorry. Yeah. And Thomas Bryant, and, yeah, exactly. Thomas Bryant had twenty points, uh, nineteen points in the game, and had his way with Embiid, kind of. So it's just a team that's always been a bunch of potential, and they've never been able to show anything for it. Maybe one day they will, but I'm putting my money on it. I'm not putting my money on it. <laughs> They're not a serious team. The fact that the Pacers have a better record than you, with after trading Paul George and being in a rebuild so quick, there's there's no excuse for that. Um, but before we leave, before we get out of here, Micah, just. Super quick, just give the team that you have winning. Always like to do it. Thursday, we have, uh, looks like we have seven, six games. Yeah, six games on Thursday. So we'll just go through it. Uh, Pelicans and Sacramento, who do you have winning that game? I have New Orleans Pelicans take it. I think uh, Zion is starting to get into his groove, and that team is only going to play better when he plays better. So I would expect 25 minutes again, and I would expect another stat line like this, maybe 25 points this time instead of 23. Yep, got Pelicans too. Uh, Heat Bucks. I will yes. hope, hopefully I we get uh the Bucks playing at full strength here, but no Jimmy Butler for the Heat tomorrow. But who you have in that Heat Bucks game? It's very interesting, and I think the Bucks kind of want to send a message. Given that I mean, yes, they have the first seat locked up, but uh, they they did lose two games in, in a little bit weird fashion. So I think the Bucks take this. Um, I still think it'll be a bloodbath for Giannis and uh, Bam out of bio. That's they're going to have to go at it. I mean, Giannis is going to end up getting capped at 31 per 32 minutes, but uh, he's going to get the best out of Bam Adebayo and, you know, vice versa. So uh, I'll give it to the Bucks, though. Yeah, I, I, I'm so excited for that matchup. TNT, uh, it's a game game I cannot wait to watch, but I think the Bucks because of no uh, Jimmy Butler. I think a game that going into the bubble, I would be like, I'm not watching this game. It's not, I don't right. even think it's on – Cable, bro. It's yeah, not even but, on NBA TV. But now, now after their first couple of games in the bubble, a game that I definitely will be checking out, Indiana Pacers and Phoenix Suns, two of the hottest teams in the bubble. You got TJ Warren going up against Devin Booker. Who do you have winning? 
Man, um, who would have thought this would have been a premier game? Uh, <laughs> they're not even getting airtime, but uh, I'm gonna have to go the Phoenix Suns in a which I don't even know if you could call it an upset at this point. I think they're gonna keep this train rolling. Um, I think it's gonna be one of those games where Devin Booker might end up with a nice little forty piece, and I mean T.J. Warren, for all intents and purposes, he might end up with a forty with piece. A 40 <laughs> it might be one of those. It might be one of those games you see on YouTube, uh, eighty points combined between the two starting shooting guards, whatever it is. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's just I, I would take the Suns, but uh, this is gonna be a very fun game. Clippers and Dallas, Alex. Another fun game uh, to watch. Uh, another fun game to watch for tomorrow. Uh, Clippers are reeling and they need to win badly. Dallas, like you said, just another team is just trying to get better in the bubble. Who do you have here? I'm going to take the Los Angeles Clippers. I think they finally put it together. Um, and to say that they haven't put it together would be a kind of an understatement they have, but they got to finish these games. There's, there's no excuse they haven't finished these games. And I think they do. It is still, I think it'll be close, but I think I'll give the edge to the uh, Los Angeles Clippers. I like Luca here. I like Luca. I think yeah. the Clippers are just going to keep. I think they're going to uh, lose this game and then completely just have that team meeting that brings yeah. everybody uh, back together. But I think Luca is Luca's going to go off. Obviously, and Porzingis is going to have a little twenty-five and ten double double for uh, the Mavs. Yeah. Another pretty fun game: Portland, uh, Portland Trailblazers and Denver Nuggets. Nuggets. Michael Porter Jr. Uh, versus uh, Dame Leonard and them boys. Who do you have in this game? Um, I'm going to take the Nuggets. Uh. Man, it's kind of I'm kind of up in the air about it. I mean, it might be actually an OT kind of game just for how you know they might play each other. It's kind of interesting. I want to see what lineups they use. Um, I would expect I would expect both teams to go relatively tall and kind of just having that guards just do what you know their thing. But uh, I would take the Nuggets and a and a nail biter. Totally agree, Nuggets. I think Michael Porter's going to have another 25 point uh, type of game for uh, the Nuggets. And finally. Lakers Rockets, uh, a game yeah. that could be very pivotal just for telling telling us what exactly we're going to see in the playoffs. Are the Rockets for real? Where the small lineup is going to work? Are the Lakers really in trouble after this game? So, who do you have in this game? I'm going to take the Lakers for the AD factor, literally because of the AD factor. Um, the Rockets they have nobody to cover Anthony Davis. It's not even like covering Yusuf Nurkic or Sam Whiteside. Yep. If Anthony Davis just puts the ball in the cup and LeBron James just plays more efficient and they don't just do this weird thing where they're trying to take too many shots. Just dominate the paint and you will beat the Rockets. I think that happens tomorrow. Yeah, if the if the Lakers are at full full go, there's no way that LeBron is letting the narrative be that the Lakers are a team that's going to struggle in the bubble. There's just no way. It's going to be a LeBron takeover game. They're going to have a team meeting tonight. It, it, it's going to be fixed. And I think the Lakers are the team that takes it away and with this game, they use it as basically their catalyst to start their championship run to the finals. But that's going to wrap it up for Inside the Bubble. Micah and I will be back, I believe, what, Sunday night uh, to review the next couple of games. We'll, we'll go over what to expect from the last week in the bubble and then give you a playoff preview as things start to shake out in the Western Conference. The East is pretty set. But for Mike and for Micah, we'll see you on the next episode.